back to Rabbit Hole Happy Hour, episode seven, bitch. Oh my god. <laughs> episode seven. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. I'm Mallory. I'm Ashley. We didn't have any complications. <laughs> we didn't have any complications. <laughs> I can't believe it. So is anything new with you, Mallory? Um, just got back from Portland. I told you a little bit about it, but we did lots of naturey things, went oh, to nice. Mount Hood and the coastline and got to go to the Timberline Hotel, which was the hotel that they filmed the exterior shots of the Overlook Hotel in The Shining at. Which is my favorite movie. It was so crazy to be there. It was so snowy. What else is new? Not a whole lot here. Just been, my whole life has been devoted to this next topic I'm about to talk about, so. I can't wait! (laughs) Should we just go ahead and get into it then? Yeah, sure. Okay, Mallory, I have a problem. Okay, what is your problem? (laughs) I just spent the past few days watching 44 hours worth of trial footage. (gasps) What? (laughs) Are you serious? I took 26 pages of notes. Oh my god, so you actually sat there watching the trial and... (laughs) Took notes like you're in a class. I don't know why, but I feel really ashamed of this. <laughs> Dedication. Uh, I know. I mean, it's supposed to be a good quality, right? I don't know. I swear, yeah. um, like <laughs> once I start something like this, I just can't stop until I see it till the end. I don't Obsession. know. Is, is there a diagnosis for that? Or? It probably <laughs> goes with OCD. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So... The trial that I watched just reached a verdict on January 20th of this year. Oh, like, yeah, a few days, like a week ago. Mm -hmm. Crazy. I I just can't get over this case. Um, It blows my mind on so many different levels. And it's it's by no means a mystery. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to know who did it immediately. But the thing, I guess, that intrigues me is just the sheer audacity (laughs) Of this person and their oh, actions. Oh, yay. I can't wait to hear so, about the audacity. <laughs> it's just the audacity, man. I found this case while I was on YouTube, uh, and I saw that there was a trial live streaming on the Law and Crime Network. Oh, I subscribe to the Law and Crime <laughs> they're Network. They're great. They're, yeah, they that's are. where they had that um, that one case with the Amish people, right? Oh, or the Mennonites. Mennonites. Yeah, yes. the Mennonites. Yeah, they're great. They they live stream tons of different things. So I'm going to keep my eye on them and hopefully not be as obsessed with the next thing I do. <laughs> so I saw it was streaming and I read up on what happened. And I was initially going to do a different topic, but I immediately decided to switch to this. So this story takes place in Madison, Wisconsin, particularly the village of DeForest, which is an area west of Milwaukee, and it's surrounded by four lakes. Um, Wisconsin was the inspiration for our cocktail tonight. I get it now. It took me a while to think of something, but here we are. What do you think? It's so good. It's kind of hilarious what the name (laughs) is. And yeah, if you haven't watched Tim and Eric, you won't understand. (laughs) Yeah, you you won't get the humor if you're not a Tim and Eric fan. So I was trying to find a cocktail and I was thinking like, what can I do? I Googled a bunch of stuff that was relevant to the story, but nothing fit. I also didn't want to be disrespectful to the victims by doing something, I don't know, like vulgar. But um, I remembered that Milwaukee Brewing is located in Wisconsin or is yeah, Milwaukee Brewing. That's what it's called, Milwaukee Milwaukee Brewing Company. Milwaukee's in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Am I insane? Okay. (laughs) That's uh, because I thought... 
the champagne of beers, Milwaukee Brewing Company. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I Googled cocktails using Miller High Life. <laughs> and I found the cocktail called the Spaghetti. Spaghetti. So Bon Appetit wrote a piece about this drink, which made me feel better about it. Made me feel a little bougie. Uh, so the drink is... Even though uh, it's called the spaghetti. Yeah, I know, even though it's called the spaghetti. Spaghetti, and they probably don't even know where that... Spaghetti. <laughs> they probably don't even know where that comes from. So this drink is a play on the Aperol Spritz, which is a Prosecco drink with Aperol. Uh, it's very popular in Europe. And when I was on my honeymoon in Italy, I basically just drowned myself in these things. Um, but instead of Prosecco, you use the champagne of beers, Miller High Life, <laughs> and some lemon juice as well. The drink was created by Wet City Brewing in Baltimore, and indeed, they actually did oh my God. <laughs> um, mean to call it the spaghetti after our, our friend from Tim and Eric. They sell a t-shirt in their merch store that is an illustration of spaghetti, and he's holding the drink, which I, I kind of need this shirt now. Um, really want some cigarette juice right now. <laughs> cigarette juice. <laughs> All righty, on to our story. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about the murders of Bart and Krista Halderson. This story takes place in the summer of 2021 in suburban Wisconsin. I still like feel like it's 2021 right now. I know. Well, it, it basically is. Yeah. Bart and Krista Halderson resided at 4595 Oak Spring Circle in DeForest, Wisconsin. Bart was 50 and an accountant at BDO USA, and his wife Krista was 53. She was a stay-at-home mom up until recently when she decided to go back to work. She worked in customer relations for Zimbrick Volkswagen in Madison. The couple had many close friends and had grown up in the area. They were both described as warm, friendly people. Bart was a hard worker and had supported the family working as a CPA, but on the weekends, you'd find him wearing shirts with cheesy dad jokes. Krista was a very engaged mother who lived for her boys. They both enjoyed getting away up north to their cabin in White Lake, keeping their yard immaculate, and having family game nights. That yard does look immaculate. Their neighborhood is just pristine. All of the homes. It's like just beautiful. I don't know. The couple had two sons. The oldest, Mitchell, was 25, engaged, and working as a technical services representative at a healthcare software company. He and his fiance had their own place in Madison. Chandler was 18 months younger, had a longtime girlfriend, and volunteered with the DNR as a rescue diver. He was in the process of completing his final credit at Madison College. He was on his way to earning his degree in renewable resource engineering, and he'd also earned a solar certificate. Chandler had an internship that turned into a full-time position at American Family Insurance. American Family Insurance. <laughs> there was a problem, though. Chandler had worked there for over six months and still hadn't received a paycheck. Okay, why would you stick around <laughs> for six months? It's, uh, it's if you weren't getting paid. It's crazy. And Wait, uh, was he living at home? Yeah, he was living at okay. home. You'll see what happened. His parents are just like, what the fuck, dude? So he had been going back and forth with HR, trying to get this sorted out, um, and it turned out that he was in their system as an hourly employee when he was supposed to be salaried. There was a huge mm -hmm. compensation difference between what he was set up for and what he was supposed to be earning, so they decided to hold his paycheck till they got it sorted out. But once that issue was fixed, there turned out to be an error in his banking information. Oh, good. And that delayed the process even more. 
Oh my God. Chandler's first paycheck was going to be so big that it needed to be investigated and approved before they deposited it. <laughs> would you fucking burn the building down? Yeah. <laughs> I would flip tables, dude. Yeah. Me too. Needless to say, this delayed payment even longer. And with COVID causing issues with staffing, it was a mess trying to get in touch with the right people to get it worked out. Oh, my God. Chandler was having similar issues with the school. He needed them to send him his transcripts and solar certificate for insurance purposes. But he was hitting roadblock after roadblock. His father, Bart, began to ask for regular updates, getting more and more involved in the situation. After all, Chandler wasn't getting paid, and obviously that needed to happen. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Luckily for Chandler, he had just scored a huge job opportunity. Oh, nice. At Ooh. Elon Musk's very own SpaceX. Oh, my God. In Titusville, Florida. That's huge. Right? Right out of college? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. He was scheduled to go to Florida for training in just a few weeks. He told his girlfriend, Kat, the good news and asked if she would move in with him down in Florida. She was stoked. They began sending each other home listings back and forth and planning their new life together. This was going to be huge. He was going to be making a serious salary. He reported like 80000 a year. What was which, his job or his new position? Do you know? Um, he didn't mention what his new position would be, but he was studying renewable resource engineering and he had a certificate in solar energy. Yeah, so okay. maybe engineering of some sort, but yeah. a starting pay at $80,000 a year right out of school is like insane in the membrane. It's not, doesn't happen. No. So the training trip would be postponed. However, Chandler had a serious accident. He took a major fall down the stairs and suffered a head injury that sent him to the emergency room. Oh, no. He was complaining of headaches and nausea after the fall. And this injury caused Chandler to miss important meetings with his school advisor. And he still hadn't received his paycheck from American Family. Oh, my God. So he had been going back and forth with his advisor, trying to get a meeting. He was on, like, wait lists. And by the time his meeting rolled around, he had this fall and he couldn't even make it. So that prolonged getting his transcripts even more. And Bart was beginning to get suspicious. It had been a year of trying to get these transcripts and he was getting fed up. Soon he would find out that Dear Chandler was not even registered at Madison College. Oh, what? He had dropped out years ago after only taking a few courses, which he either failed or withdrew from. Needless to say, he never received a solar certificate, and he was nowhere close to graduating. Oh. No education, no job. Chandler never worked for American Family Insurance. What? And he sure as shit didn't get a job at SpaceX. Oh, what? Do you have, I have all of that dude. was a lie. All of that was a lie. <gasps> Everyone in his life thought this Damn. was his life. Chandler was living a lie. That picture, by the way, I really I didn't comment on it before, but actually has a picture of Elon Musk riding a rocket with a cowboy hat <laughs> in his hand. It's really funny. Thank you. I'm glad you appreciate it. <laughs> Obviously, Chandler was living a lie. Everyone in his family, his girlfriend, his few friends that he had, and the community were being catfished. Jesus. So this right here... Buddy. Is what drew me into this case. Yeah. How does someone just make up an entire life and live that way for so long? For a, at least a year, right? Yeah. I don't know. And and why? What are they doing instead? 
Yeah. How do you spend your time if you're not working? Like, like what are, what are they doing? In Chandler's case, he was playing video games. Where, though? Like, he couldn't be at home doing it, right? Yep. He was at home. Yep. And his parents just thought he was working? Doesn't he live well, at home? COVID times, baby, working from working home. Working from home. Oh, right. Escape from Tarkov, a first-person shooter, was his game of choice. Okay. <laughs> COVID allowed him to work from home, and it was the perfect situation for this lazy little dork. <laughs> Only problem was, his dad Bart was also working from home. So Chandler had to get up bright and early every morning to start his workday. Hmm. The workday consisted of Chandler trying to sort out his paycheck with HR and getting the runaround from his college advisor while trying to obtain his transcripts. Yes, he was actually doing these things. Creepy Chandler created like a half dozen different characters and made them an email address and emailed (gasps) back and forth with himself sporadically throughout the day. Oh my God, dude. Mm -hmm. He did this to keep his dad at bay and to prove to him that he was doing his due diligence and trying to make progress with these issues. If you're going to go to all that effort, just go to school, man. It's the same. (laughs) It's a full-time job. Yeah. Seriously. That is insane. (laughs) It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. What kind of... And to play Escape from Tarkov? I don't even know what that game is. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) On June 11th, Bart emails Chandler the following. Did you email HR to inquire about your paycheck? Unless there is something you're not telling us, they have had ample time to pay you. Let's take a look at some of these emails between Chandler and Tom Selznick. Tom Selznick? The human recourses manager. Oh no, he spelled resources wrong. Oh, you bet. Oh no, recourses manager. Mm -hmm. I see. So Chandler emails Tom Selznick at protonmail.com on June 11th, 2021. Good afternoon. My name is Chandler Halderson. I was recently made aware of you taking my case. Can I have an explanation of why I haven't been paid yet? Thank you, Chandler. Tom Selznick replies, Hi Chandler, I was given your case on Tuesday. However, I have contacted your payroll company and have determined a few issues. One, you are registered as salary. However, you are making an hourly wage. Two, for two months, the payroll company saw your name and dues as a clerical error. Unfortunately, you have been making $25 an hour when your salary states that you should be making $61,000 annually. This is around a $10,000 difference. When I get in contact with payroll, I will show them exactly when you were switched and find out why there was a delay on your dues. Have a great day. Tom Selznick, Northeast Remote Human Recourses Manager. It's Tom Selznick, Tom Selznick, Northeast Remote Human Recourses Manager. (laughs) He put his name twice. (laughs) It continues. This is from Tom Selznick to Chandler. I updated the log and have changed your dues. I'll let payroll know of the change. Keep an eye out on your bank account and let me know if you have not been paid by next Friday. Tom Selznick, Northeast Remote Human Recourses Manager. (laughs) Chandler responds, when is payday for me? I was wondering when I'd get paid. And Tom Selznick responds, first payment ASAP, then the first Friday of each month. Chandler responds, good evening. I was hoping to hear the status of my check. Is there anything wrong or holding it back from being delivered? I recently had to go to the emergency room, so I will need my check ASAP. Tom Selznick responds, Good morning, Chandler. I will make some calls when your office opens to speed things along. I'm sorry to hear about your trip to the ER. That's never fun. I do appreciate your patience with this. 
Tom, Tom Selznick again. <laughs> North, <laughs> sorry, I was, was going to sign off as Tom Selznick, Northeast Remote Human Recourses Manager. I, I could not get enough of that. <laughs> um, Tom Selznick writes Chandler again. I will be traveling to Madison, Wisconsin Wednesday of next week for restructuring of the HR department. It seems there is a lack of communication to be resolved. I will hope to meet you in person and have a sit down on Thursday if you are capable of travel. Tom Selznick. Um, no one would ever give that type of information to an employee. No. <laughs> Chandler responds, yes, that will work fine. I look forward to meeting you. Thank you, Chandler. Chandler mentions a trip to the ER in his email to Tom Selznick. He is referencing the fall I mentioned previously. I'll point out that Chandler actually did go to the ER, but no one ever saw this fall. The doctor didn't see anything mm. serious and diagnosed him with a mild concussion and gave him a neck brace to wear as needed and some medicine for nausea. Chandler milked this for all it was worth. Oh, my God. Wow, that's a, quite the neck brace. <laughs> he wore that neck brace around for a while and complained of headaches and muscle weakness in his legs. As his new departure date for his SpaceX training neared, the results of the fall got more serious. He was now telling people that he had suffered a spinal injury and he was now losing the use of his legs. Oh he also God. said that he would need to get a hole drilled in his head to relieve pressure and he would probably end up with a colostomy bag. Really? Yeah. So what's the end game here? Is this to have an excuse not to work and collect disability or is this to get out of the huge lie of getting a job with SpaceX? Or was it just to get attention? Yeah. This fall occurred a week after his older brother was hospitalized and diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Did he see everyone at his brother's bedside? Did he see his mother worried sick and think, this is what I need to do. This mm. is what will get them off my case so I can sit in the dark and play video games unbothered forever. Mm -hmm. Chandler did an odd thing while his brother was hospitalized. This freak brought him a bullet that he wrote, get well on. Excuse me? Yeah. Who does that? I don't know if it's even relevant. I just thought maybe it was worth noting. Yeah. That's weird, though. It is. That's very weird. So Bart is getting frustrated with the paycheck thing, but he also needs Chandler's transcripts, proving he is a full-time student for insurance purposes. He begins bothering Chandler about this in the summer of 2020. It is around this time that Chandler creates an email address for a Daniel Spieth. These names, you know, he's got to be thinking about like, what's a good name? <laughs> like Daniel Spieth sounds real. Daniel Spieth. <laughs> I'm sure that's somebody's real name, but it just, it, when you think about it being made up, right. it just sounds made up. It might be a real name, but it definitely didn't belong to anyone working at Madison College. Mm. He emails Bart from this address, requesting a meeting with him to discuss what steps need to be taken in order to acquire the transcripts. Can you believe that this little shithead had the balls to call his own father from a burner phone what? and pretend to be an employee at Madison College? Oh, my God. And he's, I guess he disguised his voice? I, like his I, dad didn't... I guess. I mean... Wow. <laughs> Chandler claimed he couldn't take part in the call because he had a meeting with a potential employer. Mm -hmm. It's just unreal. Bart emails back and forth with Daniel Spieth for months, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. P.S. The email address isn't even associated with the college. It's a Gmail address. Oh, my God. I don't, like, understand how this didn't set off alarm bells for Bart, but yeah. maybe he's just not familiar with 
university or college email addresses. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe he just couldn't fathom the idea that his son would go through such lengths to lie like this. Because who would? Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah, because it's so ridiculous. It's so ironic that he's doing all of this just so he can play video games, but he's literally being the least amount of lazy he could possibly be by trying to keep up with all of this. I want to understand so badly. And I... Mm, all right, I just... I, I just, I just <laughs> You're not to, going to be able to. <laughs> I just need to keep going. Another fictitious Madison College employee is introduced. Alyssa Brandt. Oh. She emails back and forth with Bart, setting up a meeting, but nothing comes to fruition. You can sense the frustration from Bart and his willingness to do anything to solve these issues to help his son. In May of 2021, Chandler emails himself back and forth, trying to get a meeting scheduled. It's the most annoying thing to read. <laughs> um, so one day Chandler can't make this day because he's sick. Or Aaron, the advisor, can't make it this day because he's unavailable. But is Chandler available to have a meeting on Memorial Day? Oops, that was a mistake. But now he's booked up till next week. Oh, my God. Oh, now there's a schedule shift because they're short-staffed. Like, it was excuse after oh, excuse after excuse. Like, it was my God. email after email and, like, excuse back and forth. Yeah. It's, like, the most annoying thing to read in the world. <laughs> I just want to point out that Alyssa Brandt's email address spells Brandt, B-R-A-N-T, and her display name is spelled B-R-A-N-D-T. Oh, no. Then she signs her email with B-R-A-N-T. Okay. I mean, he's going to a lot of effort here, but you could at least try to be consistent. She also Proofread. uses a Gmail account, and oh she signs off her emails just like Chandler does and every other character that he creates with a hyphen right before the name. Mm. The back and forth goes on and on between Chandler and Alyssa, and Bart is fed up at this point. He emails Alyssa directly, and I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Alyssa. This is unacceptable. We have been dealing with this issue for well over a year now. It has been costing us money the longer the delays have continued. I'm not sure of the professionalism of the advisors, but it sure seems like they will take off at the drop of a hat and it messes up the whole schedule. Chandler and I have both rearranged our schedules to meet with an advisor today, and I expect you to find a way to make that happen. Bart Halderson. Yeah. So Chandler's big meeting with the school was on June 17th. But guess what also happened on June 17th? Was it his fall? Yep. Chandler writes to Alyssa, I am currently heading to the hospital. I will not make my meeting. I remember there is a wait list, but I still need my meeting rescheduled as soon as possible. So that's why he did it, to get out of the to meeting. To get out of all of his lives. Yeah. He's <laughs> so many. Uh, so that's convenient. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, there's more back and forth about getting a meeting scheduled, and by the end of June, Bart was done. On June 29th, he decides to call the school directly and get this settled once and for all. He calls the college posing as Chandler and gets in touch with an enrollment coordinator named Omar Job. Bart is trying to get to the bottom of where the transcripts and the solar certificate are, and Omar tells him that he isn't even enrolled and he has zero record of any certificate or record of him... In any program. Oh, my God. Uh, to top it off, he owes a balance of over $1,000. Oh. From when he was previously when in he was, school. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like years ago or a year or so. He asks Omar if there is an Alyssa Brandt or a Daniel Spieth that works there. Omar checks and says no. There's a long pause, and Bart says, 
That should do it then. Wow. Bart knows now Chandler was never going to school. He sends Chandler a text. Spoke to Omar Job. I hope Chandler shit his cargo shorts at that message. <laughs> his cargo shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he did. Mm. Of course, we have known who Omar Job was. He wouldn't, but he probably Googled it. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a better name to use. And maybe yeah. next time I'll use Omar Job. <laughs> it's the morning of July 1st, and Chandler is in a mood. He texts his girlfriend that his life is falling apart, and he's just waiting for the next thing that's going to fuck him over. This was directly after the situation with Omar Job. Okay. He hadn't seen Kat in a while, and he claimed it was because he was grounded. Oh my God. What 23-year-old is grounded? None of them. But good news. He says that they can spend the 4th of July weekend together because his parents mentioned that they may go up to their cabin in White Lake. That day, Bart had set up some time on his work calendar from 3 to 5. The meeting was titled Chaz MATC. Chaz is short for Chandler. Oh, And MATC is Madison College. He either planned to talk to Chandler around this time or they had a meeting at the school. We'll never know. Mm. I guess Bart wanted to see how far Chandler would take this lie or maybe he just wanted to confront him. Yeah. Bart texts Chandler at 2.10 p.m. saying, I'm ready whenever you are. And that was the last text he ever sent. Digital forensics tell us that Bart's iPhone would update the health app every hour, basically recording his like steps and his activity. Yeah. It updated at 3 p.m. and it never updated again. Oh, my God. At 3.19 p.m., Chandler texts his mother, Dad's phone died. Text or call me. He followed that message with, and get soda on your way home. I have an extra hour of work. His mother, Krista, responds, Kay, I can, with a smiley face. Krista's texts are heartbreaking. The trial shows a lot of her texts, Mm -hmm. and like it shows a lot of her texts leading up to her death, and she always sends very sweet, loving texts to Chandler, and he never reciprocates. Krista's Volvo is seen by cameras in the neighborhood pulling into the driveway at 5.12 p.m. A minute before that... Chandler opens his notes app and makes a list. A grocery list? A chore list. Oh. (laughs) Weekend chores. Hydrogen peroxide and lemon. Door handles. Move your shit upstairs. Get a job. And clean the floor. Wow, Chandler. This could have all been avoided had you just gotten a job to begin with. Yeah. A minute after that, Krista walks in the door and she never exits the house again in one piece. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Chandler Halderson shot and killed his parents in the late afternoon, early evening of July 1st, 2021. Traces of their blood, blood-stained bullet fragments, and spent shell casings were found in the basement, the same place where Chandler hid his SKS semi-automatic rifle. Oh, my God. He shot them with an automatic rifle? Yeah. It was his weapon of choice from his game, Escape from Tarkov. Oh, my God, dude. It was his weapon of choice from his game, and his best friend, Andrew Smith, knew that. Andrew was a friend he met while gaming. They became bestest friends, and Andrew found an opportunity to drive up to Wisconsin from Kansas one weekend to visit. This was, like, around June, I think. So this was prior, obviously. He brought his SKS rifle with him and planned to give it to Chandler as a gift, knowing it was his favorite gun. They didn't do any special paperwork to show the change of ownership. Andrew simply took a photo of Chandler's driver's license beside the serial number on the weapon. 
Chandler told Andrew that his parents weren't huge fans of guns, so he hid it behind some boards in the basement until he made his move to Florida for the SpaceX job. Mm -hmm. A few hours after the shooting, Chandler showers while FaceTiming his girlfriend, Kat. You said after? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, maybe a couple hours after the shooting. So he's FaceTiming his girlfriend, Kat, in the shower, and she takes a screenshot of him. And we'll learn that she takes lots of screenshots. Oh. At 8.16, Chandler takes his mother's Volvo and drives to a nearby Quick Trip gas station, where he's captured on cameras buying 20 pounds of ice. He arrives back at home at 8.30, and around this time, the -the across-the-street neighbor is outside washing off vegetables from his garden. Sometime around 9 p.m., he starts to smell burning. The smell becomes pungent, and he thought someone must be barbecuing. So he goes, like, at the end of his driveway, and he looks up and down the street... It starts to become stronger and stronger, and he compares the smell to a pig roast. Oh my god, oh no. You know what else smells like a pig roast? Humans. Fire Inspector Bill Boswell, who testifies in this case, says he has come across many burnt bodies, and they almost always take on the smell of a pig roast. Wow, that is sick. It almost makes me want to give up pork. Yeah, But not enough. That and the fact that pigs are, like, really intelligent. And they're cute. (laughs) I know. So disgusting. Chandler Halderson is starting the process of dismembering and burning his mother and father's bodies in their family fireplace. In the fireplace, dude? Yeah. Oh, my God. That brings us to July 2nd. The neighbor who lives behind the Haldersons has a security camera that overlooks the backyard. Far off in the distance, across a tranquil pond, you can see the back of the Halderson home. Starting around 12.30 a.m. on July 2nd, the camera picks up a flickering in the downstairs window of the home. The flicker goes on all night long. Sometimes it dies down and sometimes the window is filled with an intense bright light. While the light flickers from the downstairs window, you see the garage window turn on and off periodically. Around 3 a.m., the kitchen light comes on. Someone is very, very busy in the Halderson home. The prosecution showed the security footage at the trial. Four hours of footage that they sped up. Oh my God. I watched it all. Did you? (laughs) It was really quite interesting how they determined what window the flickering was coming from. They recreated the footage using a light wand to illuminate each window. So they had the security camera from the property in the same exact spot, and someone went across to the Halderson home and waved a light wand on each window so they could put the footage side by side and, like, map out exactly which window it was coming from. Oh. I thought it was really cool. That is cool. Investigation. The flickers were coming from the window closest to the downstairs fireplace. So just watching this video, it gave me a sick and eerie feeling because, I mean, if you don't know what's happening, it just looks like, A little Mm. flickering. Yeah. But the reality is that Chandler was burning his parents' heads in the fireplace that night. Oh my fucking God. The light going on and off in the garage was most likely Chandler retrieving more body parts or getting more fuel. Ugh. At one point, the fire went out of control and Chandler must have thrown water on it because one of the glass panes on the fireplace shattered He managed to step on some glass and had a small puncture wound on his big toe. He would later use this injury as an excuse for any blood or obvious cleanup (laughs) found. Does he not know what DNA is? (laughs) Nope. Nope, not. They don't teach that at Madison College. (laughs) 
at well, gmail.com. If- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chandler would tell police that the glass broke while he was playing fetch with his dog. After a long night of trying to burn his parents' remains in his fireplace, Chandler needs to go buy a tarp. At 7.21 a.m., he is captured on camera at Fleet Farm, which is a farm supply store, buying a black and silver tarp. Now, July 2nd was Friday, and neither Bart or Krista had called out of work. Mm. This was very out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. Krista's boss at Zimbrick Automotive described Krista as a kind, warm, and conscientious person who would have called if she had to take time off. Her boss got in touch with a colleague she was close with named Daniel Croninger. When he couldn't reach her on her cell, he swung by the house to make sure everything was okay. He rang the doorbell and no one came to the door. Um, So he peeked in the window and noticed there was a table overturned, which he thought was odd. He went around to check if the cars were in the garage, and they were. And at that point, Chandler appeared at the garage side door. He said that his parents had left early that morning to go up north to their cabin. He said they had to tend to an emergency, and he said they left before he was up with another couple, and he, um, he thought they should be back in a couple days. Daniel noticed that it appeared that Chandler had just gotten out of the shower, and he had a bandage on his big toe. Chandler told Daniel a story about how there was blood all over the place because he had broken part of the fireplace glass cover while playing with his dogs. The two exchanged phone numbers so Chandler could keep Daniel in the loop. Later on, Chandler invites Kat over for dinner and sex, but says she would need to leave at the end of the night and could come back in the morning and stay till Sunday. Kat's like, why leave and come back? Yeah, what? What? (laughs) She's like confused why he would say that. And Chandler responds, he needs to get some chores done. Okay, she can be there while you do those. Mallory, I don't know why the word chores annoys me so much. It is an annoying word. I think because it sounds like such a juvenile word. Yeah. And he's 23 years old. Like a kid does chores, not a grown man living with his parents. Yeah, totally. But he says he talks about doing chores all the time. Well, he was grounded before. Yeah, right. Chandler tells Kat to pick up ice and hydrogen peroxide because he stepped on glass. And he also needed a Swiffer wet jet. Like who does? Like she had to have been like, what? Yeah. Um, why does he need all these cleaning supplies all of a sudden? When Kat arrives with all the supplies and food, because she was going to cook him dinner, because he's worthless, mm-hmm. she notices a smoky smell. Chandler said it was from where the glass broke on the fireplace and that it just let in a smoky smell. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> Sorry. He's so stupid. Idiot. So Kat convinces Chandler to let her spend the night And they sleep in the downstairs fireplace room on two sofas pushed together. He claimed they should sleep there so they could be with the dogs and watch TV on the bigger screen. But the prosecution thinks the real reason is because he has body parts in the freezer. He needs to know if she comes and goes from the bed. And this couch fort situation that he made would be awkward to get in and out of. So he would know if she got up. Yeah, they're like, um, so the couches, they're kind of more like oversized chairs with arms on the side. It looks like there's something in the middle too. Like there's three almost. Maybe like an ottoman. Yeah. But it's like their couches are facing each other. So it just looks like a boat. Yeah, it does. It looks like a boat with like sides, there's sides around it. So she would have to like step over them and it's probably the size of a twin bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks small. 
Kat ends up leaving early around 6.55 a.m. because Chandler is eager to get to his chores. My God, never been so excited to do chores, buddy. <laughs> get out, bitch. I got to do my chores. <laughs> Shortly after she leaves, at 7.47 a.m. on July 3rd, Chandler leaves for Roxbury to dispose of his mother's remains along the Wisconsin River. So he only burned the heads? He burned more than the heads, but that was the main thing he burned. Okay. At 8.58 a.m., Kat takes a screenshot of Chandler's Snapchat location by the Wisconsin River because she thought it was strange. He was supposed to be doing his chores. Yeah. She says that she's been to that area with Chandler several times. They would park there to go swimming in the river in the summer. She called him and was like, what are you doing over there? And he said he was there to pick up CBD for his pain. Her plans for the day were to have Chandler come over to her mom's after he finished with his chores so they could see fireworks with her brother. When Chandler comes over to Kat's, he seems exhausted. He ends up leaving early that night to be with the dogs, and Kat stays the night with her mom. On July 4th, at 11.02 a.m., Chandler texts his mom. Hoping this goes through, I bet there's a lot of people up there making it hard to message. He then texted himself back from his mom's phone, saying... Made it safely. Can't get anything through, though. And yes, it's packed. Going to White Lake today for the parade, and we'll be home Monday night slash Tuesday early. Love you lots. Oh, God. I'm just wondering what his excuse is going to, or how he's going to play them not coming back into town. I know. It's just like crazy turn after crazy turn. Sometime after that, he hides his mother and father's iPhones and driver's licenses. He wraps them in foil and puts them in a pair of shoes that he hides under a shelf in the family garage. It would be found later by detectives, but for now, it's not even on their radar. The plan for today was to go to Kat's family farm. Just for the record, Kat's mother is named Dulce. Okay. And her partner is named Crescent. What? They're two very unique names. Yes. (laughs) Dulce's partner, Crescent, had a beautiful piece of land. The home was located in a wooded area, and then the woods open up to this vast, lush plain. Here they have a very large barn and a swimming pool. The property was green and covered in wildflowers and lined by a forest. The family planned to spend the day swimming and enjoying home cooking. Crescent, who goes by Cress, recalls in her testimony that Chandler was acting off. She thought it may have been something to do with his accident. Wait, is Crescent a woman? Yes, Crescent's a woman. Oh, I, I could not, I liter- literally could not tell from that picture. <laughs> yeah, they're engaged. Okay. Um, so yes, Crescent's a woman and she owns this beautiful farm with a pool. It's like huge. So she recalls that Chandler was acting off and she thought it may have something to do with his accident. The effects of his injury had been a big topic of conversation that day because Chandler loved to freaking talk about his injury, like, How he could barely walk and how he couldn't feel his legs and just so annoying. I'm I just like everything about him is I would not even be able to tolerate like two seconds with this person. I feel like Mallory, there's so much footage of him where you can hear his voice. And I swear to God, like it makes me want to die. It's just like the most monotone voice, like so unemotive, so flat, like no emotion. Uh, Yeah. Just terrible. Cress and Dulce comment that Chandler could come use the pool anytime as therapy for his legs. I'm sure they weren't serious and just meant this as a courtesy. Mm -hmm. But sometime during the get-together, Chandler approached Cress and asked her for her phone number so he could call her about using the pool. 
When things wind down, Kat and Chandler head back toward Chandler's house and shoot off fireworks, and Kat ends up sleeping over that night. The next day, Kat leaves early to go to work, and Chandler supposedly had a doctor's appointment to follow up on his injury. But would you believe that he actually doesn't? You know what? I would believe that. (laughs) Who knows what he was doing, but he tells Kat that he plans to go up to the farm that afternoon to swim. Kat gives her mom a heads up, and Dulce immediately heads to the farm, knowing that her partner, Cress, likes to be in the pool topless, and she wanted to try and prevent any potentially (laughs) awkward situation. Yeah. um, Because Cress often didn't have her phone on her, and... um, Yeah, she's in the water, so... Yeah. So Chandler shows up at the house, and Cress sees him from her window, and he's just kind of, like, standing there, and he just looks off. She goes downstairs, and... um, He says he has some bad news. He appears sad and tired, and um, he tells them that he didn't get the job at SpaceX. uh, And it was because of his injury, because he couldn't fly. The doctors told him that he couldn't fly to Florida for his orientation and training. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) After he shares this news, he excuses himself to go swimming. Cress and Dulce stay inside and talk about how they could potentially help him. They're a little weirded out. I mean, like, he just shows up. They didn't really mean to come swim at the house, you know? Like, he just... Yeah. They didn't expect him to be there. Yeah. And also, um, Cress was getting a little bit of annoyed because she wanted to get in the pool. It was, like, a really hot day, mm. and she wanted to be in the pool, and she didn't want him there. So, yeah. like... Go away. About 30 minutes later, they decide they're going to go over to the pool because it's, like, you can see here in this picture, their house is here. Mm-hmm. So the pool is all the way over here. Oh, so he had to hike. have driven his car to here to go oh. to the swimming pool. There's cars parked here. Okay. Um. So after 30 minutes, Cress is like, okay, he needs to leave. I want to use the pool. So they drive over there and he wasn't there. <laughs> and what? the cover was still on the pool. It was completely undisturbed. So they looked off to the right And they notice Chandler's car is parked by the edge of the woods with the hatch up. Oh, my God. So they're like, they're thinking, is he sleeping in the back? So they drive up there. They have a riding lawnmower that they're on. They drive it up there, and he was not in the car. He was nowhere to be found. They both started to get angry. Like, what was he doing? He yeah. just shows up at their property. Where is he at? He's acting weird. Why are you doing weird mm-hmm. shit? What, like, he had to have been in the woods. They were like, is he off in the woods using drugs? At that point, they decide to drive back to the pool and go for a swim. After a while, they see Chandler approaching them from the woods. And he wasn't wearing a shirt. As he gets closer, Crest tells Chandler, hey, I don't have a top on. And he responds, Well, if it would be all right, I'd like to get in the pool. I'm sticky and hot. No, fuck off. Yeah, um, Dulce was not happy with this. And they they were not pleased. But, you know, what were they going to say? Yeah. Cress said that's fine. And she just turned the other way and went on the opposite end of the pool. They both say that he just kind of bobbed in and out of the water and was like splashing water all over his body and just kind of washing off. Mm, Um, Gross. Yeah. Cress said Chandler seemed more lucid after he got in the pool. That, um, sorry, that just reminded me. Every time I would go, I would go swim at LA Fitness, like, last year. And 
all these nasty, sweaty dudes Ugh. right after they work out would come and get in the pool and I would be like, That's, oh I can't do this. Oh my God, their bacteria is just like Ugh. swimming around you. <laughs> It was horrible. Well, that's basically what he did to them. He just like got in the pool and was like wiping off whatever the hell was on his body. Sick. So Dulce confronted him about if he was doing drugs out in the woods and he said he wasn't, but he offered no explanation. Uh, couldn't think of a, an excuse no, this not time, that Chandler. Soon. Not that quickly. After about 15 minutes in the pool, he got out saying that Kat was going to be getting him his favorite dinner that night. You want to guess what his favorite dinner is? Um, pork. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good guess. McDonald's. Oh my God. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. A happy meal. Exactly. For this little child. Yep. At that point, he left. Uh, later that evening, Chandler met up with Kat for dinner at her mom's house, McDonald's. Um, and Chandler tells Kat that he lost the job at SpaceX. Apparently, she was under the impression that he was already working there remotely. Like, everyone gets a different version of the story. Oh. It's so hard to follow. Yeah. He said they found a lot of errors in his work and decided to let him go. He told Kat that the doctor said he would have lifelong numbness in his legs. And uh, Kat said he appeared to be down. But after dinner, he made his way back home. How about we take a little break here? Sounds good, baby. We'll see you guys soon. After the break. After our word from McDonald's, our sponsor. <laughs> and we're back. Hey, had to make another spaghetti. They're so good, man. I, <laughs> I really love this drink. I know, we were on the break just saying like, this is just summer in a bottle. I know, it makes me want summer. And the Aperol just elevates and I the Miller High Life. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And I'm not really a summer person, to be honest with you. Yeah, we hate summer. <laughs> summer makes me angry. We're fall gals. <laughs> Basic bitches. Yes, exactly. Pretty much. So, we're going to continue on July 6th. In the early morning of Tuesday, July 6th, between 1 and 4 a.m., the flickering returns in the fireplace room window. Oh. The Halderson garage lights go on and off about seven different times. And they stay on for an average of six minutes each time. Cameras mm. catch Chandler leaving the house in the Subaru at 4.30 a.m. And cell phone towers show he drives around Madison for an hour. Where, what are you doing for an hour in Madison at 4.30 in the morning? Well, they didn't know until the cell phone tower analyst took a look at ah. where he was. And this area, Mallory, is surrounded by several lakes. Oh, so he's depositing things. He's making a deposit. Christ. And my next line, was he dumping more remains? <laughs> I think so. That's my opinion anyway. That's my opinion as well. It certainly seems like he was up all night cleaning up and disposing of more remains. When's this boy going to sleep? I mean, he's just a hardworking young man. He's so hardworking. He's actually my idol. I know. I, I wish I would had the work ethic of Chandler Halderson. That's the thing is he's putting in a lot of effort for the shit. And a lot of trauma. Can yeah. you imagine? Like, dude, in order to play video games all day, every day for the rest of your life in a dark room, you have to shoot your parents and saw their heads off 
like burn and watch them. their faces as they burn in the oh, fireplace. My Can fucking you god, you just put the worst visual in my brain. <laughs> Watching someone's face Sawing that you know your parents apart, the people that held you as a little baby yeah. and comforted you. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. That's crazy. He is a freaking demon, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm all worked up. Later that morning, Kat texts Chandler asking if his parents were home yet because this was the day they were supposed uh, to arrive back, the okay. like latest time they were supposed to arrive back. On the stand, she says she thought it was very unusual that they hadn't heard from Krista because she was the type that was always in constant contact with Chandler when she was away. Mm-hmm. And she was even in constant contact with Kat. Like she was the type that just loved to text and, you know, just have conversations and so he wasn't doing that good of a job to be texting on his mom's phone to nope. people that she would normally text. I mean, he had video games to play. Oh my god, this I'm mad. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad. When he tells her that they still aren't home, she tells him to check with his brother to see if he'd heard anything. Oh yeah, I forgot he has a brother. Where's he in yeah, all this? Well, he's he's moved away. I guess he I guess Chandler had told him they, they had gone off to the lake and maybe he's just busy with his own life. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't live at home? No, he didn't okay. live at home. Okay. He, he had his shit together. Uh, he actually had a job and graduated from school and had a Like fiance, for real like instead for of real. lying about it? Yes. So that evening, uh, Chandler and Kat, they go to Buffalo Wild Wings with Kat's family. <laughs> it, it was a weekly tradition. They have a BOGO deal on Tuesdays. Not sponsored. Just a side note, you did say Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> <laughs> it's the spaghetti getting to me on an empty stomach. And we're in the South, baby, if you couldn't tell. Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. We have a Buffalo Wild <laughs> We have a Buffalo Wild Wings here. Yeah, we do. I didn't know they had a BOGO deal on Tuesdays, though. I so didn't either. Might have to hit that up. I think I've only ever been there one time in my life. Me like too, with Natasha. Oh, really? Yeah. Side note, I'm trying to eat healthier. Oh. And so wings actually would... Do you hear that car? Yeah, I hear that car. Real annoying. It's still going. Go on. Oh, it's a motorcycle. Chicken wings would be a good, good uh, clean... Not so much clean, but protein-filled diet, not yeah. carb-heavy. That's how my boyfriend, Brent, he eats like... He eats pretty clean, like he, but he will eat like chicken wings and stuff. He's all about protein, of course, because mm-hmm. he like works out like like a gym rat. Um, last week, I didn't drink at all during the week, and I didn't eat many. Like I tried to uh, not do any processed foods. Yeah, so I made a lot of cauliflower rice. Nice. Have you ever had cauliflower that? fried rice? I don't think so. It's really good. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really good. Is it actually like comparable to rice? Oh, yeah. Or- Well, if you put soy sauce and sesame oil in it and enough Mm -hmm. other ingredients, it is, it's really good. I love sesame oil. I do too. So good. It stanks up the house, but I love it. I love the stank. Mm -hmm. Me too. Okay. So they go to (laughs) Buffalo Wild Wings and they get their BOGO deal. And um, people are starting to ask a lot of questions now that um, Bart and Krista have been gone for this long, and they were supposed to be back by that morning. So it was what, like two, two or three days? They left on the second, so, oh, so it was probably four days. Like four days. Yeah, and they were supposed to be back 
July 5th evening or July 6th morning. Okay. So moving on to July 7th. On Wednesday, July 7th, Chandler calls Bart and Krista's best friends, Michael and Jane Hilgendorf, to let them know that his parents still weren't home. And he's, like, asking advice, like, what should I do? And they're like, maybe have police do a welfare checkup at the cabin. And, like, they're giving them different ideas. But they had been out of town at their own cabin. They had expressed concern early on last week because uh, Michael Hilgendorf actually worked with Krista, and she had missed work on that Friday. So they had kind of kept in the loop on the whereabouts of Bart and Krista. So when they heard they still weren't home, the couple decides to drive two hours to White Lake to check to see if Bart and Krista were at the cabin. And I bet you're wondering, why didn't Chandler do That's this? That's exactly what I was about to ask you. Because yes. he, can't, he can't drive with his injury. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because his legs are numb or whatever, mm-hmm. but he can walk around and do... He, he's still been driving everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that, too. But, yeah. It just what doesn't make hell? any sense. So the Hilgendorfs get to the cabin, and they notice that the grass is overgrown, and it looks like no one's been there in a very long time. Oh, The couple is so upset and worried for their friends that they decide to cut their vacation short and they head home to search for their friends. And they also want to be there to support Chandler because that's what Krista would have wanted Mm -hmm. because he can't do anything on his own. You know, she make him this way. (laughs) Chris probably. Yeah, they definitely enabled. Yeah, I'm sure. Like if Krista and Bart were to go out of town, they always left just enough food for Chandler. So if they Mm -hmm. were gone longer than what they said they were going to be, they knew they needed to get back and feed that child. Oh, my God. And basically, that's what Kat had been doing. Yeah. So while the Hilgendorfs are searching for their friends, Chandler is heading to Cress's again. He texts Kat saying he went up by the farm, but he left because no one was there. Kat didn't ask why he was at the farm, but she assumed Mm. it was to use the pool. And she responds that he could still use the pool if he needed to. His actual reason for being there, though, was to dump more evidence. Okay. I figured that's what he was doing when he was there the first time. But why would you do it on somebody's property that you know? Mallory, that's a great question. And I have the same question. Yeah. (laughs) And we're going to get to that right now. Oh, cool. So the evidence that he is dumping this time is a bag of bloody rags. And he leaves them right beside the trash bins at the farm. Not in the trash bins. No. But right beside them. And he puts them in a target. They're not not even right beside them. Like in this picture, they're like three or four feet from the trash cans. They're by the street. Yeah. Sorry. Um, (laughs) He puts them in a target bag which is the same bag Kat brought groceries in on the first. Mm. And she didn't, like, bag those herself. She did a pickup order. And I don't know if you've done a pickup order. Yes, I have. But it still had the receipt with the date and her name on it. Oh. Um, so he's either stupid, that he thought that this wouldn't be traced back to him, or he was somehow trying to frame Kat by doing this. Oh, He's he putting probably is just stupid, yeah. All of this evidence <laughs> on her property with her well, name that's on it. True. But that's I don't know. It just doesn't make any See, sense. See, I don't get I just I don't understand how he's so detailed on some things and then just totally blows over other details. I know. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's because he's a male. So <laughs> no, he's no <laughs> Oh man. 
after he returns from the farm, he decides to go to the northeast precinct of the Dane County Sheriff's Department and asks to file a missing persons report. Krista had a very important doctor's appointment that day, and she missed it, and that was the deciding factor in his decision to do that today. Mm. He told the police the cabin story, that he helped his parents pack on July 1st. They packed a ton of alcohol, a large sum of money from their safe, and some tools. Chandler told them that they had planned to go up to White Lake with another couple, and he didn't catch their names. But it was no one he knew because he'd been in touch with all their close friends. He heard his parents leave before he got up around 6.30 a.m. He shows the police the text he received from his mother on the 4th, saying that they were planning on going to the parade and that they'd be home Monday or Tuesday. The cops conduct a thorough interview with Chandler and learn about all his activities, starting from when he lost all his parents. The detectives waste no time and begin their investigation. They start with Bart and Krista's co-workers. The couple both missed work that Friday, and neither ever were no-call, no-shows. They organize officers to search the route to White Lake, where the family's cabin is located. Mitchell, Chandler's brother, and his girlfriend, even plan to take a trip up to the cabin to assist in the search with officers. As is customary, detectives look to the last person who saw Bart and Krista, their son Chandler. Mm-hmm. What they learned didn't set off any immediate alarm bells. They found out that he was a Madison College student and about to graduate with a certificate in renewable resource engineering. Oh, so he told the cops that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Because no one knows it's a lie except the people he killed. Yeah. He had been working from home for American Family Insurance. He had just got hired at SpaceX and was about to move to Titusville, Florida with his girlfriend, Kat. The only cause for concern was that he had recently suffered a head injury that had resulted in some serious damage. Chandler has been complaining that he can't think straight and has been having trouble with his legs. He keeps repeating that over and mm-hmm. over. Krista's best friend, Mary Sesto, hears about the Halderson's disappearance through a call from the police. Oh, she boy. texted Chandler and she emailed Mitchell to offer her support. She offered to bring food to the boys, and turns out Chandler would have preferred to just go to their house for dinner. I wonder why. Yeah. So he arrived at 8 p.m., and when Mary's husband left to go pick up pizza, she was just making small talk with Chase. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Chaz, because I have wrote that. Here, oh. <laughs> we're going to call him Chandler, because it's way less fun. So <laughs> when her husband goes to pick up pizza, she's asking Chandler about what happened, And she said the things he was saying just didn't align with what she knew of Bart and Krista. Mm -hmm. So much so that she was extremely uncomfortable. So she went into the kitchen to put some distance between her and Chandler. She said he seemed emotionally flat in a way she found alarming. She put herself between the front door and Chandler because she felt such an off vibe from him. Wow. She said this in her testimony. Okay. And the prosecutor is like, so can you explain that a bit more? Like, what kind of, like, off vibe are you getting? And she was basically saying when the officers were at the house doing their search, he had to put their dogs in the garage. And he was talking about how unfair it was that they had to be in the garage. And he was getting emotional about it and, like, feeling so bad for the dogs. But when he talked about his parents, he had zero emotion. Oh, 
So she just felt like a chill run down her spine. And she just, the more and more she talked to him, she felt he just needed to leave. Yeah. Everything he said at that point just felt so unbelievable to her. Uh, Can you imagine feeling that way? And where you literally are like, okay, I need an escape plan. I know. I know. And I have to say right now, this woman is the, she testified and she is the most kind woman. She's super close to the couple. She got a little emotional on the stand. Mm -hmm. Um, But she just knew that Krista would want her to take care of her boys if she was missing. And so she just did that. And here her son is just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, dude. That is crazy. On the morning of July 8th, Chandler made six Google searches back to back. I'm interested to uh, see what those are. I mean, here. I'm going to let you know. So the searches began at 9.44 a.m. He Googles body found Wisconsin. Uh, Woman's body found in Wisconsin. Oh my God, that scared the shit out of me. I just need to take these Googles out. I thought that you had a home invasion and there's somebody in the house. It's been happening so much lately with the Google. They like listen to me. They talk when I don't want them to. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm not going to say the G word anymore. Okay, (laughs) don't say the G word. (laughs) The searches begin at 9.44 a.m. Body found Wisconsin. I'm afraid it's going to search for it. I know. Oh, my God. You probably have that in your search history now. Woman's body found in Wisconsin. Wisconsin dismembered body found. So this search led him to click on an article about Peter T. Kupatsa. Um, and I, I learned that he is a man who killed his family in a very similar way. Oh. He went and clicked that and read about it. Just uh, light reading. Yeah. I wanted to see the outcome of the trial, you know, see what he needed to do to get away with it. Yep. Um, the next search, dead body found in Wisconsin. Body found in Milwaukee River, 2021. Oh my god, you're leaving a breadcrumb trail, buddy. He takes a break from the search and plays some video games. But then he starts, you know, searching again. I can't say the word. G-searching. For (laughs) game-related things. Are you serious? Here he's searching. Where did the messenger hide the item in Tarkov? Oh my god. And he's like searching like, I guess... Cheat codes, not cheat codes. <laughs> yeah, cheat codes. <laughs> like, I guess solutions for this game. game shark. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> How can you Google? Oh, sh- I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. <laughs> Cancel. How can you search? Search these casual things like a video game in between. After you literally murdered someone. I know, Mallory. I know. I don't have to tell you that that's crazy. You don't. You don't at all. Oh, my God. So he's searching these game-related queries. Yeah. And his last search is Bart and Krista. Oh, my God. Which led him to click on articles about the missing persons case. So he was just trying to see if anybody had found mm-hmm. yeah, found anything. Yet. Yeah, he yeah. was seeing if like there was anything found and like just being a complete amateur. Mm-hmm. Not that being a pro would be good either, but yeah. <laughs> um, later that morning, 
Chandler goes door to door around the neighborhood asking neighbors if they have doorbell cameras or security cameras. Why would you do that, sir? He actually was told to do this by family friends just to see, like, if they saw the couple who pulled up. Oh, that up. makes sense. And, yeah. Um, so they were like, hey, why don't you go to door, to door to door and tell people about what happened and see if they have any camera footage to give to the police. Mm-hmm. So he does that. And ring cameras record Chandler ringing the doorbell and doing this incredibly creepy Midwestern wave. <laughs> and I'm sure his intention with the wave was to be like, hello, I'm a friendly neighbor. Yeah. There is no way I just killed my parents and burned their heads in my fireplace. Instead, he looks like an alien that's landed on Earth and <laughs> it, <laughs> take me I to your leader. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it, it. It looks really weird. It's awkward. It's so awkward. No, you can watch the footage. Oh, yeah? And he's like, ding dong. Oh. And it's just terrible. Uh. I would not feel safe. Anyway, so he talks to the neighbors and explains how his parents are missing. Yeah, they already know. The police have been all over the neighborhood and already talked to the police. And he asks if they have any cameras that could have potentially caught anything. And all of them tell Chandler that they've already turned over the footage to the police department. But instead of being appreciative and saying, great, that's exactly what I was hoping for, Chandler asks questions like, well, what did you see? Like, what are the cameras pointing at? Can you see the house? Mm Mm-hmm. And many of the neighbors did not enjoy the vibe. Yeah. There are several um, retired police officers that also live in the neighborhood. Oh. And one of them just felt so off about the situation that he started recording like on his oh, phone. Nice. When he was talking to Chandler. Great idea, sir. I know. He's a, a true hero. Shortly before noon, Detective Baverstock from the Dane County Police was called by his colleague, Detective Sabrina Sims, to conduct an in-person interview with Dulce Melander, which is Kat's mom. Okay. Sims had received a call from Dulce that raised some concerns. They met with Dulce where she was taking some classes, and they took her into a conference room. She was emotionally distraught, and Dulce told the detectives all about Chandler's odd behavior on the 5th and how her partner, Cress, had noticed vultures flying around the tree line where Chandler had oh. been. Oh, my God. Based on this information, they rounded up a team and headed to the farm to conduct a search. They were stretched pretty thin at that point. A team was heading up to White Lake to meet up with Mitchell and his fiance to search the cabin. So Baverstock called in more detectives, the medical examiner, and a cadaver dog and instructed them to meet him at the farm for the search. When Baverstock arrived, to his surprise, he was the first one there. He expected Cress and Dulce to beat him there. He got concerned, thinking maybe they already started searching, and he drove down to the tree line. When he approached, he looked up and saw turkey vultures circling above the woods. When the team arrived, they followed tire tracks through the tall grass and continued to follow a trail where the overgrown grass had been pushed down. They entered the woods and noticed a log with some moss that had been recently disturbed. Just beyond the log, there was an an unnatural pile of sticks and debris. Under the sticks, detectives discovered the dismembered torso of what would later be confirmed as Bart Halderson. Oh, my God. My next slide is graphic, so yes or no. Yeah, you can show me. Oy, oy, oy. It's a torso. Oh, my God. There's no head, no arms, no legs. The head was severed. 
The arms remove just below the shoulders and the legs are cut just below the hips. The top of the pants and belt are still on the body and there is a black rope tied around the waist. That is weird that he left the pants on. I know. As Detective Baverstock testifies and relives these images, you can tell he is very clearly affected. They actually um, had these on the screen at the trial for the jury to see. And that's how someone captured these screenshots since it was live streamed. Oh, my gosh. And just an aside here. Someone screenshotted these images of Bart's body and posted them on Reddit. And I think the court caught that and they so they no longer show any of that in the trial. They like just give the jury a book to look at so they don't have to do that. Yeah. But I'm showing you just for the sake of the story. But it is so sad that now when you search Bart Halderson on Google, you're going to find this picture. It immediately comes up. Yeah. And I find that to be disgusting that he is just diminished to this disgusting picture. Yeah. I also want to say, like, when I was researching this, I was on YouTube and I found a person who has over a million subscribers. She told this story. And by the way, she got so many details wrong. And I was like, what the hell? And she's like got a million subscribers. But she mentions this photo and she's like, if you want to see the photo subscribe to my patreon like she's using it as a way oh to get people to God, pay her she's, yes and no one had a problem with that in the comments uh, i was so disturbed by that yeah that's a little screwed up so oh i just God. wanted to i that bothered me but yeah yeah so they show that's the really court sad. they show the jury and the detective is very clearly affected by it chandler on the other hand is sitting at the defense table unbothered Detective Baverstock goes on to explain that the torso has two gunshot wounds in the back. Medical examiners conclude that one of these shots was a contact wound, and there is a third gunshot wound at where the neck begins, but the severed tissue makes it difficult to analyze. Another detective spots an old oil drum on the property with an odd hole cut in it. She peers inside and notices there are a bunch of different tools. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be something more gruesome. So she sees inside and there are a pair of scissors, a broken bow saw, and a handsaw. And they asked Cress if these items belonged to her and they didn't. Mm. Turns out when Chandler visited the farm on the 5th, it wasn't to swim, to work out his pale little gamer legs. <laughs> it was to ditch the tools he used to dismember his parents and to dump his father's torso. While this discovery is being made, Chandler is outside of his home talking to reporters. Oh, God. That's the worst idea. His brother Mitchell arrives at White Lake and meets with local police. At that time, he receives a call that the Dane County police will not be able to make it to the cabin. Mitchell doesn't know at this time, but it's because they just found his dismembered father and they needed those detectives on the scene. Oh, my God. Mitchell and the police local to White Lake searched the cabin and the surrounding area, unaware of the events that were unfolding back home. Kat that day was struggling at work. She ended up leaving early because she was so distraught about Chandler's parents. All she wanted to do was to be with Chandler and help support him. 
She drove to the Halderson residence, and when she pulled up, Chandler was outside talking to reporters. Mm -hmm. Shortly after, more and more police show up in the neighborhood, but they aren't canvassing anymore. Four squad cars are sitting in Chandler's driveway. Chandler calls the lead detective, Detective Shunk, at 3.30. This would be the third time he did that that day. He's freaking out. Oh, boy. He's asked for updates, and he tells the detective that there are four police cars at his driveway. The detective plays it cool and tries to calm Chandler down, assuring him that they're just doing a shift change. Obviously, that was not the reason. Mm -hmm. There were four cops in the driveway because they needed to know where Chandler was, and they needed to make sure he wasn't leaving. Yeah. Later that evening, Detective Shunk contacted Chandler and had him and Kat escorted to the station to be interviewed. They were taken in separate squad cars. Detectives took Chandler into an interrogation room and read him his rights. He looks nervous and and in a daze. He says he understands and is willing to make a statement. Mm -hmm. Shunk asks him to tell his story starting on Wednesday, June 30th. Chandler says it was a bad day that he and his dad were watching Wheel of Fortune at lunchtime. And Chandler threw a ball to his dog and smashed the glass in the fireplace and injured his toe. He said his dad was mad and didn't really talk to him much that day. And then his mom got home at five. He keeps going on and on about how he stepped in glass and got blood everywhere. Oh my God. He said that Kat brought him a Swiffer wet jet and he cleaned it up with hydrogen peroxide. Detective Shunk asks if there would be any reason his parents' blood would be anywhere in the house. And he said that... His dad had psoriasis, and he would scratch his leg till it gushed blood. Um, And he would often just let it run down his leg. Yeah, that's what you do when you're bleeding. Just let it run down your leg. (laughs) Makes zero sense. No one does that. honestly. As for his mom, he said his mom gets bloody noses a lot, and they do have a humidifier and dehumidifier, but depending on where it is, she can get these bloody noses, and she gets them bad. When the detective asks him if there would be any reason that blood would be in their cars, he says that they have car trash and there would be blood in their car trash due to bloody noses. Have you ever heard of car trash? Car trash. (laughs) He has the stupidest fucking... Plus, even if you do have like a car trash can or bag or something, you're going to empty it out from time to time. I've never heard a more guilty person in my life. No. My dad has psoriasis. <laughs> he is known to get nervous and scratch it and it gushes everywhere. And I try to I try to tell him to stop, but he just it's a nervous. He tick. just lets it go. He and, just lets free bleeds everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom, she just gets bloody noses and it just goes everywhere yeah. all the time. That's so weird. And it happens so much. It's just something that happens. He's like, Oh, and it happens to me too sometimes, but not as bad. Okay. The detectives were being all buddy-buddy with him and giggling at certain things he would say. They were just, you know, palling around, trying to make him feel comfortable. Then the interview takes a turn when Detective Hendrickson says, We got all the background, right? So I think it's time we start talking about what happened to your parents. Like, the truthful version. Mm, (laughs) Oh, my God. Chandler's like, okay. Uh, Detective Hendrickson is like, We have 20 pages of writing, and we're going to start with a clean, white piece of paper for you to start telling the truth. And no, he's not going to, I I bet. Halderson is like, what? Hendrickson is like, because listen to me. This is the only chance you're going to have to tell us the truth. 
Chandler says, okay. <laughs> Hendrickson says, I can't tell you what we know, but we know you're not telling the truth. We know your parents are no longer with us. And we know the reason why, okay? And you need to tell the truth. Halderson starts panicking and starts trying to speak. Halderson is like freaking out internally and says, okay, they're okay. A little while later, he asks, what happened? And Hendrickson says, we're not going to tell you what happened. You know what happened. We know you were there when it happened. Mm. Halderson says, I wasn't there when it happened. Chandler Halderson is placed in handcuffs and arrested at 6.41 p.m. on counts of providing false statements to police. Good. On July 11th, a search warrant was executed at Bart and Krista Halderson's home. Investigators spent most of July processing the home for evidence. And let me tell wow. you, they found a lot. Wow. The forensic evidence in this case is damning. If you're into forensics, I'd recommend you watch this entire trial because they found so many different types of evidence. And I learned of so many different career paths and offshoots of the medical profession. Like, I wish I had known these careers were out there because hearing their findings was so interesting. I'll just give a Cliff Notes version of what they found. There were skull fragments, teeth, vertebrae, hand bones, and a dental crown found in the fireplace and ash trap. Oh, yeah. Several bone fragments were discovered in the vacuum cleaner. Oh, my God. Bullet fragments, shell casings, and evidence of ricochet were found in the basement. And Luminol would tell the story of a bloodbath. Not to mention, Luminol can also show signs of extensive cleanup. Yeah, yeah. There is so much evidence, and I wish I could share it all. So if you do want to know, you, you have to watch the trial on Law & Crime Network. I really want to watch this trial. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so good. I mean, they, I remember seeing, because whenever I go on YouTube, it'll you know show whatever is live. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing like Halderson trial or something like that, but yeah. I never clicked on it. I never clicked on I'm it. I'm glad you did. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> on July 14th, law enforcement searched DNR property in the town of Roxbury. The search led to a grim discovery. In one spot, they found a human leg. Ugh. Not too far from that, they discovered a foot and then a thigh. Medical examiners concluded that these remains were that of Krista Halderson. If you remember from the beginning, this was the area where Kat saw Chandler's location on the third. Mm -hmm. She took a screenshot because it was extremely odd. This was an area she and Chandler had frequented in the summer. I can't believe she took a screenshot. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I would do that too. Yeah. If I you know. I, see something weird, you're like, um. All right. So I'm showing Mallory a photo of Chandler hanging from a tree with a machete. Oh. <laughs> this photo was taken a while back when he was there with friends swimming. Okay. Now, next to that is a photo of the same tree, but see that white tent in the distance? Mm-hmm. That is where Krista's remains were discovered. Oh, my God. Right behind where he was. Bro, yeah. bro can't even, like, find a new spot. He has no. to just go to his See, yeah, that's stomping ground. He is, like, not creative with this stuff at all. In October of 2021, when Crest was clearing out her barn, she made a horrifying discovery. Oh, God. She discovered a rifle hidden behind a pile of boards. <gasps> she immediately called detectives. It was the SKS rifle that Andrew Smith had gifted Chandler. The serial number matched. 
Chandler had ditched the weapon at the farm. I feel so bad for Cress. Mm-hmm. Her farm was her sanctuary, and, and now it's like tainted yeah. because of this little creep. I really hope that she can find peace in some way to reclaim the farm as something other than a crime scene. Yeah, yeah, because that's basically what it became. Yep. Yeah. So that's the extent of what happened. But now I just kind of want to briefly talk about the trial. Yeah. So the state of Wisconsin versus Chandler Halderson began on January 4th, 2022. Chandler was being charged with eight counts, four per victim. So I'll just read four counts, but four is for Bart and four are for Krista. Okay. So count one, first degree intentional homicide. Count two, false info on kidnapped or missing persons. Count three, mutilating a corpse. Count four, hiding a corpse. So that goes for Bart and then for Krista. So eight counts in total. Mm, Okay. The jury reached a verdict on January 20th, 2022. They found the defendant, Chandler Halderson, guilty on all eight counts. His sentencing hearing will take place on March 17th, 2022 (sighs) at 1.30 p.m. Um, Adding that to my calendar. (laughs) Yeah. It's right after I get out of work, baby. Yeah. I haven't watched a lot of trials straight through, but I was really impressed with how this whole thing was conducted. Yeah. Um, The judge was a true delight. Really? His, his name's John Highland. Mm-hmm. And in every every day he had a bow tie. No. He had his hair. He's like an older man, his gray hair. He has his hair like slicked back in a little curl. He's like such a dapper dad. Oh dam. my god. <laughs> um he's Happy. so respectful and has like a very kind and gentle cadence. He's like every time a witness comes up, he's like, if you'd like to remain masked, we respect that, but we'd prefer if you're unmasked. And he is just super like very kind. Yeah. yeah. Um, he never like had any sort of like aggressive tone with anyone. I don't know if it would be different if Chandler was on the stand, but, um, yeah, the prosecution was also very impressive. Attorney William Brown and Andrea Raymond were great at presenting all the evidence in a visual and easy to understand way. Nice. Uh, they both were very sensitive, but their statements were at the same time, very powerful. And if you want to go back and listen to anything from the trial, I would recommend listening to the opening and closing statements from the prosecution. Mm. Um, They're pretty long. Like, they're about maybe 45 minutes to an hour long. Yeah. I don't know if that's normal or not, but they're so well-delivered and very impactful. The defense, (laughs) as you can imagine, (laughs) didn't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. But I felt like they did their job. You know, their job was to make sure shit stains like Chandler get a fair trial. And they, they made sure of that. He got a fair trial and mm-hmm. he was guilty. I feel like they knew Chandler was guilty and they were just carrying out their role to the best of their abilities. Although their opening and closing statements were sometimes just downright offensive. Like for example, one of the defense attorneys basically insinuated that the jury had not upheld their oath saying like, we know this trial is all in the news and there's no way you can avoid it. And that's like getting into your subconscious and there's no way you'd ever give Chandler the benefit of the doubt and you don't have all the evidence. And Oh my God. It's kind of annoying, but... What was the um, defense's argument for what happened? None. They didn't call any witnesses. Oh, really? And they barely ever countered anything. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Every time the judge would be like, defense, do you have any questions? They'd be like, no, thank you. Oh, my God. And the most sing-songy voice. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. It was very We're cringy. screwed. <laughs> yeah, we're screwed. I was waiting and waiting. I wanted to know what they would come up with. I wanted yeah, to wondering. hear. I wanted Chandler to say, like, his story. Like I, I know. I, I just wanted to hear what kind of story he would come up with. <laughs> yeah. Don't they usually, in the opening statements, give some sort of reason why... You yeah. know, he's not guilty. Uh, well, that was my impression, but their opening statements were basically, so the attorney was basically just like, when I was in law school, I had to put my emotions aside and just think in facts. And she's like, that's what your job is today. You can't be a person. You have to be a juror. Mm-hmm. And you can't judge someone based on how you feel. You have to judge based on evidence. And if someone's not, like, they were really pushing like yeah he's guilty of all of this but maybe he's not guilty of first degree murder Ah. and that was because no one physically saw him do it yeah and no one had like any firsthand account of him doing it so that's the the agenda they were pushing for the most part so that's the trial but i did do a little personal sleuthing on accident (gasps) did you yes yes (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know how much I want to say about this. It's kind of weird. I'll just talk through it and you can let me know what you think. Okay. So whenever I find something that interests me, I'll look for a subreddit. And I found the Chandler Halderson subreddit. So I'm on there. And I came across some comments in in some of the posts. And she claimed she was an ex-girlfriend of Chandler's. Oh. So I clicked her name and I went through her post history and it had dated back several months. Yeah. And she she was subpoenaed as a backup witness, but she was never called. Oh. She was like on hold in case the defense wanted to call somebody, but she wasn't because mm-hmm. they didn't call anyone. So I found her on Reddit and like read through her whole history. And of course, I know this. You can't just blindly trust what you see on Reddit. Um, yeah. I have no proof that this is true or that she is actually an ex-girlfriend of Chandler or she knows anything about this, but... I reached out to her. You did? I did. Oh, um, my God. <gasps> and so some of the things she was saying in her comments were she dated Chandler back in, like, 2018 to 2019. Okay. And she said that he has always been just, like, extremely manipulative. He'll lie for no reason. Oh. like just, like, a compulsive liar. Yeah. She had a lot of different examples of this. For example... She mentioned that he was late or something for some, I don't know, for some reason. And he said it was because he found a stray dog and he like picked it up and she's like, oh, take a picture of the dog. And he's like, oh, I, I'm already, I already dropped him off. Like just like lies like this. She was younger during this time since it was about 2018, 2019. She was probably 19 or so. And she said the relationship was pretty turbulent and they fought all the time, mainly because he didn't put any effort into the relationship. And he always talked badly about his mom. He claimed that she was a narcissist and he convinced her that she was. Um, And it didn't strike her as odd that he lived with his parents because he was taking classes online and was only 20 at the time. His mom always acted very nice and friendly to her, so she didn't get the impression that she was the way he said she was. She even gave her Christmas presents and told her how nice it was to see her whenever she came around. But whenever she wasn't there, it was a completely different story, according to Chandler. 
So they broke up several times. They'd get back together and they ended up just cutting ties. And um, so an important point, she and Kat were best friends. Oh. And when they broke up, I think she mentioned that Chandler had saw Kat in one of her Snapchats and was like, hey, give me her number. I want to. Oh, my God. I'd like to talk to her. And, like, she kind of wasn't down with that at first, but then she introduced him to Kat. And Kat and Chandler ended up dating secretly. Like, they didn't tell this other girl, the ex-girlfriend. And then when she found out, she was very upset just because of all the trouble she had gone through with Chandler. She didn't want her best friend to be going Mm -hmm. through that, too. It ended up destroying their friendship. So Kat had stayed with Chandler at this point. He also cheated on everyone he was with. He always had some backup girl. Oh, cool. At right. all times. She God, also so mentioned. His whole entire, every, every aspect of his life was a lie. Exactly. She also mentioned that he was typically drunk. He drank oh. a lot. She mentioned that Chandler told her that his mom faked having a stroke to have an excuse to say, I couldn't come over. And, <laughs> and she believed it at that time, but. Looking back, she feels so bad, and she's sure it was all fabricated. Yeah. And um, she said he lied, and he lied about things he had no reason to lie about. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. He's just lying to lie. Like, there's mm-hmm. no reason. So initially, when I, I messaged her, she was cool with answering some questions. She just said it'd, it'd take a bit of time for her to get back to me. When I followed up, she... Well, in her post history, she was saying like me and Kat were not friends, but now that all of this has gone on, I really wish the best for her and I would be open to re- reconciling with her. And so she had that kind of like attitude toward Kat. But then when mm-hmm. she responded to me, she said, I apologize. I've been going through a lot with all of this. I've been in a lot of pain. I believe I'm coming to a place where I just want to move on from all this. She doesn't want to waste another breath on people who couldn't give two shits about her. Kat and Chandler, to me, are one and the same now in that they are dead to me. Both are horrible people, and whatever they say about anything should not be believed. The biggest thing I would like to get across is that Kat is no innocent victim, and I have no doubt in my mind that she had something to do with what happened. What? Bart and Krista were good people, to my knowledge, and my biggest regret is that I believed Chandler when he told me otherwise. Oh, My God. She said that his parents never made me feel unwelcome in that house. It was him. That's crazy. I know. And when I read that, I started looking at everything in a different way with Kat. Yeah. And I rewatched her testimonies. And there were a lot of things that she was asked and she just didn't know that I thought she should know. Oh, Um, and also, she was the one person that was with Chandler the most during mm-hmm. this entire time. Mm-hmm. Not saying she did anything, but like it's hard to believe she didn't know anything. Right. She's in the house like the next day after he. Yeah, for the entire night. And brings too. him cleaning supplies. Yeah. And allows him, doesn't really ask any questions about him going to the farm and right. making these trips. And yeah, it's just. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't understand how anyone could be okay with that or like take part or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like almost like, how does she not know? Is she just, he seems to be a very good manipulator, but obviously these, these statements from this person are completely, uh, 
just statements. They're not fact. But I just thought it was worth sharing. One thing that struck me as odd, and I didn't put this in my story, but when he had to go do all those chores, it was the same day where he actually went to the river to dispose of his mother. He texted Kat and was like, I'm about to go to the dump. And she was like, okay. And she's like, I hope you didn't pack up all that stuff on your own since you've had that concussion. Like since he's, oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he's had that concussion. She's like, I hope you didn't do all that. Like put all that in there yourself. She's like, I could have stayed to help you. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, dump's closed. And she's like, holiday weekend. But like when the prosecutor asks her, oh, what was he taking to the dump? She's like, I don't recall. I don't recall. Yeah. I. It's not every day someone's just like, I'm taking something to the dump. Right. I don't know. No. No. Who goes to the dump I've never been to a dump. I've never been to a dump either. (laughs) The dump. (laughs) Does the place still exist? Yeah. I think so. Oh, okay. I wonder if that was if that was before or after she took that screenshot. It was before. It was before. Okay. Because hmm. you would know. think if she was suspicious enough to take that screenshot, you probably would have a pretty good memory of what was going on around that time. Well, also, just days later, she finds out that he killed his parents. Yeah. Well, so I'm just saying. So you have to be looking back at all that and like, because this right. is only a few months after that. Right, right, right. Yeah. I forgot to mention, I responded to her and I asked, may I ask what caused your change of heart with Kat? And she said that she reached out to her and a couple of her friends. And basically she was just saying, I'm sorry for things I did that hurt her and I'm open to reconciling. And she'd love to be there for her. She'd let her. And then she got left on red, which she said she expected. That was the extent, but she did that after the trial had ended because she couldn't speak on anything until after the trial had ended. Oh. But um, yesterday she said she got a call from a detective saying that they've seen that I've contacted her and her friends and that she doesn't want to speak to me and that if I try contacting her again, I would be served with a ticket for harassment. So she said she got really upset and was crying on the phone with the police and detectives and then she figured out that Kat was the one that told the detective... And she basically told him that she was an old enemy and she had already told her not to contact her, which she hadn't. I feel like that's a really big overreaction to tell a detective that somebody is contacting you that's literally just trying to reach out and say, hey, Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. I'm not sure. I didn't speak to her in person or anything. I just... Yeah. If you're out there and this is what's happening, I'm really sorry and I hope everything... Works out for the best. Yeah. Same goes to everyone who testified in this trial. Bart and Krista seemed like really, really nice folks. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely did not deserve what happened at all. Did his brother testify? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, he was one of the first. And it felt like he was just like holding in emotion. Like he, it was sad. Oh. God, I mean, yeah, now he's essentially the only person left because that kid's going to jail forever. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The only person left in his immediate family. Bart's brother testified, and he seemed like a really nice guy. So hopefully he and Mitchell can uh, help each other. And also Mitchell's getting married, he and his fiance. It sucks that his parents can't be there 
Yeah. Just think of that. Ugh, how awful. So that's the story. Oh my God, what an insane story. Of Chandler Halderson and the murder of his parents. Yeah. I I hate him. <laughs> he is literally like the epitome of everything I despise. Yeah, it's like I've immediately started hating him and I just hate him. I hate him. Can I just tell you what he did the entire trial? Oh, yeah, please. He had his mask on the entire time, obviously, but he had zero reaction in his eyes. He just sat there and he held his pin in a very awkward way and was like writing or doodling something. Mm -hmm. No one knows what it was, but like he was like holding it like really weird. um, (laughs) What you're doing with your hands. (laughs) He didn't show any feeling toward anything they said. There was a point where they play a recording of his dad talking to that guy, Omar, when he was trying to figure out the whole school situation. Yeah. You would think like if you, your dad had passed and you didn't have anything to do with it, hearing your father's voice would just cause you to break down and cry. Yeah. And nothing. No. Just nothing. No. He didn't even have a reaction when they, they um, convicted him of all those counts. He's able to just turn it off, I guess. I did read somewhere that he told officers that he didn't regret anything. I mean, he didn't say he did anything, but he just said, I don't regret anything. Oh, my God. So he's 100% a sociopath. Yeah. He just 100%, he believes the things he lies about. I bet you anything, when he was emailing back and forth with himself, he believed that he was having a conversation with other people. It oh. reminds me of when my brother was little and he I wouldn't play games with him. He would play board games with himself. Oh. And he would <laughs> he would play against the moron. He called it the moron. But the so, moron was himself. The moron was himself, but a less good version of himself. So he could win. It oh reminds me, Chandler is chatting with the moron and he's just going back and forth. Yeah. And as I was reading these, I was getting worked up for Chandler. I was like, what the fuck, Chandler? Come on. Yeah. But it's him. It's him. It's all him. Oh, and I never said, um, I had mentioned he was part of the DNR dive team. He never was. Oh. oh but, but his former roommate testified. I really don't know why. Uh, oh, it's because he went to the river with him, and that was one of their, like, go-to spots. But anyway... They asked him, he was like, so did Chandler tell you that he participated in any sort of like rescue? And he's like, yeah, he said he was part of the DNR dive team. And several times he'd come back with like things he'd found while he was recovering stuff. Oh my God. And he said one time he came back with a pink sex toy. Where did it? So he didn't find that diving. So what the fuck is he doing yeah. with a huge pink sex toy? And how do you make it look like it's been submerged underwater for however long? You put it in your butt for 50 years? <laughs> oh, my God. Years. Oh, my God. He sounds like an up-and-coming L. Ron Hubbard. Just mm-hmm. lying about everything you've ever done. He'll be the uh, L. Ron Hubbard of prison. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll start a cult. Oh, my God. He'll what? probably Insane. get some kind of, like, crazy woman... Uh, to yeah. write oh, him and because they all every murderer that's ever lived has like a fan base yeah i know women they'll be like i believe you chandler yeah Ugh. sick 
Well, I mean, it's very black and white. He did it. Oh yeah. (laughs) Do you have anything else to add? I think that's about it for me. Yeah, no, that was, that was nuts. That was a really good one. I really enjoyed not, I did not enjoy the fact that of what happened, but the case, it was just mind boggling. So it was interesting to see all the forensics and, um, yeah, wouldn't it? I mean, obviously again, I don't, enjoy what happened but it would have been really cool to be on that jury yeah it it only took them two hours to come to their verdict oh for real (laughs) oh my god yeah not surprising but hilarious in a way yep they did a great job so if you're a juror and you're listening to this great job yeah great job and sorry uh, you had to go through that but yeah and sorry you had to anyway oh my god that was good. Thanks. Episode seven in the books. Yeah. Hey, you guys reach out to us on social media, please. Yeah. We see that you're listening to us. So why don't you say something out there? Say something. We're on Instagram at rabbit hole. Happy. Hour. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like one of us fucks it up every time. We're on Instagram at rabbit hole happy hour. And... Twitter at rabbit hole HH pod. We have a TikTok. a new TikTok will be up by the time this episode is out and that's rabbit hole happy hour as well. Right. Yeah. I think so. So you can learn how to make this drink, which I am like obsessed with now. It's so good. And then email us, please. I just want to know who's listening. Yeah. Uh, rabbit hole happy hour at gmail.com. We'd love any suggestions. Yeah. Suggestions. Just say hi. So far our Bay Denise is is bringing in oh suggestions God, left and right. She's the best. Number one. Uh, I hate to call anybody a fan, but <laughs> <laughs> number one supporter. Yes, number one supporter. <laughs> She's awesome. Well, I guess that's going to shout her out every episode. <laughs> I usually cut it because I sound like such a loser. Oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in another two weeks, where it'll be my turn. To bless your ears with something I I just don't even know what it is yet. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to catch up on some shows that I've been missing since I've been Oh yeah. So in engulfed in this case. I've been watching 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> uh I haven't watched PS What? The new 90 Day Fiance. There's a guy who's part of the um <gasps> Independent Baptist. You told me that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have to watch it. I have to watch it. I have to watch but, it. But, I mean, it doesn't really go into that much. But, yeah. Anyway. It'll still be interesting. We're just lingering now. Oh. I guess I should just throw... I'm just going to throw this case update in right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Ashley told me the other day about this 2020 special that was interviewing Crazy Lori. Mm-hmm. Um, not her, her. Her brother. Her other brother, which I had no idea who even existed. I guess he's kind of stayed out of the media so they actually had, as a portion of that, they had a police interview with Alex Cox's wife that he married, like, just a few weeks before he died. And she said that he also had concerns for his life and told her if anything happened to him, there was, like, money. I can't remember. Do you remember? If yeah, he-, he had hidden some, or he had set aside some money for her, and she was just like, why are you saying this? Yes. Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting because I didn't really have, you know, an explanation. Well, they had, they just said it was 
cardiac arrest and hypertension or something like that. But just a little suspicious because every single other person that Lori has known is like dead. So, and he was like their hitman. So I can definitely see why they would want to get rid of him. Because being a hitman is a sin. Well, he knows too much also. Yep. True. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Just want to throw that in there. But um, yeah, so that's it for this week, guys. Yeah, have a great week and uh, February, man. February's here. Uh, it goes too fast. It does. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye, babies. Goodbye. Goodbye.